Hey guys, welcome to another episode of MC Anime. I'm MC Anime. Co-host with me today, Leah. How you doing today? Hey everybody. I'm good. It's the start of a new week, so I'm excited to hope that this just flies by because I'm off Ooh. next week. Ooh, we can do more episodes, maybe. That is a possibility. More content for the viewers. Yeah. Well, kind of funny how days plan out for that. But uh, this particular episode of MC Anime, we are actually discussing the third edition of the installment of Motif series, uh, Devastated Earth. So when you think of Devastated Earth, what do you think of? Um, as a motif, I'm normally thinking that this is usually people either living still on the Earth after it's been completely like obliterated usually by nukes or something like that or some war um or them living like in space or on another colony on another planet because the earth has been destroyed and they just talk about it in flashbacks and that's it and then there's not an actual like motif of it that is like within reason to find, but there's all these sub, like, the Earth goes kaboom, Earth far away, or the... There's a version of Earth that splits off into a timeline, so you have, like, an interdimensional problem that's opposite of the Earth we have. Um, there's different versions of devastated Earth the way it truly is. It's usually some big event changing the course of humanity, and humanity has to survive with that type of an event. Oh, it's apocalyptic. Uh, the color of the universe gets removed if Psychi ever goes rogue. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, also, post-apocalyptic is usually comet hitting the Earth, an asteroid hitting the moon, and the moon goes into pieces, and you have like I don't know, assassination classroom. The moon is blown up and the end of the earth is an intimate with Koro Sensei. You get the point. Yeah. The it's a really it's a really good arc. Um well a really good motif for most yeah. stories. It helps set the mood, I think, better than some of the other ones we've talked about. Like the warrior teenager you can kind of put in any universe. Yeah. And that's just more of like for the char- one character themselves or like a side character, but the devastated earth normally is an overshadowing thing that just comes back again and again in every episode. And also another sub genre that's seen a lot, the four horsemen. That's also another recurring thing that's a separate ideologically, but it fits into this umbrella. So mm-hmm. Armageddon, Ragnarok, all the apocalyptic events basically is a big storyline for the devastated earth theory. Even most dystopian genres as well. So. Being tougher that devastated earth. It's like, well, I guess we have drought. I guess we have rain. I guess we have too much rain and the entire earth floods. The great flood is another example as well. It'll be, yeah, there's great flood or it'll turn into like 
uh, maybe humans have to go underground because the air become poisonous yeah. or, you know, there's like something acidic that's in the water that changes things. Um, this is creatures and, from the, the different dimension that come over and invade Earth. <laughs> constantly cause issues. And I'm just like, well, this sucks. <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> timeline. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> to these people. The, the world of magic never existed, so they had to restart the magic society. Or, I don't know, you get into, like, I guess some event like fairy tale. All the dragons go mysteriously gone. They vanish. And one that's one, like, one aspect and it's a good plot to the story. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's not like fairy tale is not devastated. Oh, we know that. But that is a little piece what Devastated Earth could be if it's a major plot point. It's, it's a plot point. It's a major part of the story. It ain't just one little piece. Yeah, it, it normally it adds... But it's, it's a pretty big layer, though, to most yeah. stories. Um, and, nor, and if it isn't something that is completely, like, put right in your face by the characters being on Earth while it has been devastated and it's maybe been a hundred years or a thousand years since the devastation happened. If they're somewhere else, they always like give you an immense amount of detail about how things came to be over the period of like a season or two. Yeah, sometimes they don't reveal it until the very end. So you get a big bit of the cliffhanger, you get the all if it revealed at once, because everything is mysterious and not making sense. Usually when it doesn't make sense, there's something always happening you need to be careful about. Yeah, normally stories that they hide like a big thing that is the like the big question mark, oh, if, it, if they don't reveal it until the very, very end, normally that makes it fun to go back and rewatch it, and then you can see where if you had known yeah. that, this scene, what you would have been like, oh, so that's why they did that, or that's why this makes sense, or why did why these yeah. characters act this way? So I, that I, I like that's the only like fun a, part. <laughs> that sounds like in one anime I know, One Piece. Hmm. Everything's a mystery. It's like, why is everything a fucking mystery? That's how you keep the universe going, honestly. Yeah. And <laughs> a question they never get answered because it's a it's a big question that and then you get conspiracy theories you love those two uh but anyway um let's uh discuss uh classic neon genesis evangelion i love this show it makes me angry i i rage watch neon genesis i i watched it when i was younger um in like in the nineties and early two thousands, watched it then, and then I watched it again like when I was in college, and I and then I watched I think like a couple months ago I started rewatching like the first um, season for it that they have mm-hmm. on Netflix. It it's great. It but it you will rage watch anyone who has watched it and it's just been like completely zen and calm the whole time. Impressive. <laughs> just I love impressive. It. I love it. I just get into the plot like I get into like One Piece and everything else. Do you watch anime quietly, Ethan? No, I can rage a little bit depending on what's going on. 
I feel like you would be very calm probably watching this show. I, oh, I, I don't know why. What I like. <laughs> but um, for those of you that don't um, know Neon Genesis, it's one of the most popular like sci-fi animes that are out there. Yeah. Uh, just like the movie Akira, Neon Genesis was one of those pivotal, um, pivotal creations that came into anime that essentially kind of subverted and changed the whole genre for psychological thrillers. Um, so it had a great bit of the devastated earth motif constantly on display and constantly as a ongoing threat. And then um, the sci-fi element to it as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it does it all. Interesting. Big Mecca. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a really good show. It has movies as well. Um, it first aired back in the nineties and ninety five, um, and the <laughs> the synopsis for it, if you Google it for Netflix, literally just says yeah. teenager pilot um fights giant machines to stop <laughs> otherworldly monsters from wiping out humanity. Yeah, which is is the show that <laughs> it is yeah. the show, but I think all of the like think pieces and yeah. video essays that you can find beg oh, to God. differ. Yeah. So many video essays on that show. So, it I've has seen so many content about it. I was oh like, my God. people are super passionate about this, even to this day. This is oh, just God. like, it's one of those things that you can angrily rant about with your friends as you're like connecting plot points. Um, oh, I don't but, have time to make a video essay. I'm going to have someone else make it for me. Oh. I don't even think I don't even think the video essay part is the bad part. I think it's the editing. Like if imagine like talking, making a script, and then trying to follow through all your points, and then go back and edit. That just doesn't sound fun. Oh no! I'm just gonna practice the script long enough that I know it in depth, and I just keep talking about it. You still gotta edit it. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna have to go back and like to see because that's the thing about Neon Genesis. It has so many. Like, like arching points and so many arching themes that you can go into a video essay about almost anything in it and have yeah. plenty of content. Actually, I'm going to get something like uh, do a like the video essay. I'm thinking a 20 minute video essay. If I read it entirely off the script, if that's the case, then I'm get the 20 minute video essay, and then that 20 minute video essay is actually now an hour. I can talk for an hour and fill up content and go back to previous tangents I had before. Well, I would hope that you could. You run a podcast. <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's like this is just a field day for you. You're just making up work at this point. I mean, it'd be fun. I'll, I'll, I mean, it'd be fun, but I think a, I don't know. I think a video essay is not really a podcast necessarily. I want to do a video essay. I guess it'll just be like, well, that's the theme of the podcast. I could do discrimination in anime. That was kind of cool. Oh. Yeah, I did that with uh, my other co-host who now is super busy. And you know what? Whatever. Disconnected. Not bitter. Not bitter. I mean, oh. He did help me with live stream a, little, a lot. Actually, all the time. Well, my my other friend helped too, but he's also busy, so I'm not really relying on him. 
It happens. Uh, <laughs> doing doing not just podcasting, but live streaming itself. Like you have to really dedicate time. You have to like sit down and and be there and engage. So, oh, if, that, uh, man, I, I did seventeen live streams with a live, with a PowerPoint. You did I seventeen. Nice. I did seventeen. I had to film a PowerPoint. I had to make a PowerPoint and then talk about that, and then like slowly go to the next slide. So it's like movement, that just still motion. And I couldn't at the time reveal my face and do and show the PowerPoint at the same time. So I had to choose one. I can't do the split screen. I don't know how to do that. Mm. I, I think there's a way to do it if you like share your screen and you get like a meal cast to record it. It's just like whatever. I, too complicated. <laughs> you can you can screen record and then also share like whatever you're doing. Or do yeah. screen if you if you like really want to get into it, but it it can be a lot, especially if you're just doing it by yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. The way I have to do it would be like uh, the way I have to do it is I have the Discord call on the phone, and then do the live stream through like a platform like Facebook or YouTube, and then I mail my screen. I can use the screen as the live stream, and then I'm talking in the background. But recording and get that recorded with the webcam, just another story. Hey, as long as as long as both everything is working, so you don't get to the end of it and realize either a you don't have audio, or like the video wasn't syncing. As long as you can avoid that, I think you're golden. But I do know it's trial and error, and yeah, and that like might that. make you rage quit. I just it, it felt like. I don't want the blogs. I put so much time in the blogs, and then I put time in the presentations. Like, this took me three hours to make, and now I'm doing <laughs> live. What the heck? All of your time is just spent making content. It's yeah, uh, like, no. it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. Then I had to, then I had my OCD about citing my source over there. I got the image is like, yeah, here's the citing my source here. This is when I got the picture. That's where I got this info. It's starting to break you. <laughs> like your love for it is keeping you going, but yeah, it's a lot easier because it's like even though I'm spending time with guests and original content and interviews with the Gazoo, but it's still fun. There's I mean, it should be. Them. Yeah, and on the bright side, I mean, at least you're talking about stuff you really enjoy. Oh yeah. Like at least well, you get to pick your topics and you don't like work for a TV like radio studio or whatever and they just hand yeah. it to you. I mean if even they hand it for me, I just do research. Now if it's like last minute kind of thing, oh god. Oh no, we're not doing like you know, like breaking news. <laughs> like well, no, no. breaking news, but I have to read a teleprompter. They have to have a teleprompter for me to read, so I'll read the teleprompter. That's the only way I'm doing it. You don't want the guy with the cardboard signs as he like flips them down so you can just read the words from that. Oh, I hate cue cards. I hate cue cards with a passion. Hey, that is an industry that no one gives enough respect. Those people have to be on time, have to stay in the place you can see them. What do you do with the teleprompter? Oh, once again, machines taking taking jobs. Once again, (laughs) you know how many. If you have like a fifteen minute 
script and you're doing cue cards, feel for the person that has to do like flip through like 50 panels of it. Yeah, it's arm day. Let's get into it. Oh, God. No. I want to just deal with the Black Moon event in Alien Galeon. Neon Genesis. There's nothing on the human soul. There is nothing about Neon Genesis that has ever made you say, like, you know what? Um, I'd rather be, I'd rather be where Shinji is. Like, I, there has never been anything so hard in my life that I was like, Man, forget this. Like, let's just get into the Genesis universe. Nothing about the universe is great, in my opinion. I think yeah. it has, it's, it's very poetic. There's a lot of psychological pieces that you can take from it. And you can also try and identify with different characters and, and like root for them in their mission. It's about different conspiracy theories and video essays and analyze this, analyze that. And it's just like <laughs> word vomit all over again. Now, do you want to explain the plot a little bit uh, for Neon yeah. Genesis? Uh, like you have the third impact is the cosmetic. Cosmetic event that occurs in the end of the interview after being anticipated in the Neon Genesis. The third impact, human ingenuity, the merger of all humanity into a single life form, is nearly achieved. So, oh, I don't think that. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, if I didn't actually watch the show, everything you would have said right then, I would have been like, cool yeah. because even even third impact because that's the, the uh, that's a devastated earth yeah that that's a, that's when it gets a devastated earth well i would even say i would even say um so what the impacts are in beyond genesis is when it's basically as you said like a cataclysmic yeah. explosion impact with the earth that causes um either a wipeout or beginning of life. So the yeah. first one, when the when the show's lore starts, is there's two spaceships that are uh, out in space and they land on Earth and they're called like what Adam and Eve. Yeah. Uh, Adam ends up in Antarctica and he just like freezes over. He's hibernating, and then Eve she hits the ground. She gets damaged, but she does a basically start life on Earth. Um, yeah. and it's called like the seed of life or so. And yeah. so what, that's her purpose of her ship. And then when humans eventually evolve, we end up finding Adam in Antarctica. And in the show, the way that uh, the human soul and body works is that they're separate. So there's like the human yeah. soul and the body is its own separate thing. Yeah. And I guess you can, you can bond. Plane or like separate beings. Yeah, so you can bond with these... Um, these uh these ships which are also essentially sentient beings someone tries to do it does not go well and it causes another explosion which is called the second <laughs> impact and they yep. just destroy antarctica so like anything that you've ever wanted to know about antarctica gone absolutely yep. done off the face and, planet we now have only six continents mm-hmm and um and in the world instead of having countries yep. And um, continents, they do it instead as like sectors. And yeah. that's also how they establish their defenses as well as we get into Neon Genesis, um, the world for that. And then the third impact is, like you said, 
is another impact with the earth um, in which all of the human souls almost essentially bond together uh, with one, what is it, like an alien ship or being or whatever? Yeah, the alien and, ship um, angels. Yeah, for the angels. And it um, it doesn't work out. Uh, we got our boy Shinji. Um, and don't forget know. the uh, DNA is uh, why it was created from the DNA of Shinji's mother. Yeah, they they definitely play a lot with the um like the tales from the Bible and the symbolism yeah, the of illusion. uh that I love huh? it. Biblical yeah. illusion is what it's called. The great technique. Mm-hmm. So within the show, um as after uh Adam essentially gets you know destroys Antarctica. He has his own children. So Eve, her children, where she gave life to the world, that's humans and all living beings. Um, Adam is a jerk. So he has like all of these robot alien children who are called angels, and their only desire is to wipe out humanity. Hmm. Yes. So just take us out. At the <laughs> expectations of Adam just being the jerk and wanting nothing. Just to not helping us out. At all, um, yes. <laughs> so within Don't the show, rebuff too. That's also another uh, uh, very much movie. so. Yeah, very much so. But they don't really use uh, like not so much the butterfly in this one, but the theme just of death and rebirth. Did. Yeah, just death and rebirth is consistently shown. And in the show, if anyone's seen um the movie Pacific Rim, oh um, yeah. That's a great way to kind of imagine how uh, Neon Genesis is. Uh, great Didn't Neon Genesis, Genesis inspire Pacific Rim. Yeah, um, but I'm trying to think of something that might be more current in case anyone hasn't seen Neon Genesis. Because it's the same thing. Like you get into a ship that's a giant mecha ship uh, to fight in, and you are connected to it. So when it gets hurt, you get hurt. And then you are fighting these monstrous beings that essentially want to destroy humanity. Yeah. And um, it is, is a, like your soul is a part of the transaction between you and this machine in order to function. And with defeating these beings, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Neon Genesis yeah. is definitely a lot. Like sometimes you have to like, after you watch a few episodes, you're like, I'm going to go take a walk. Yeah. This is this is sad. Trace the Pacific Rim genre back even before Neon Genesis. You can go all the way back to Ultraman, where they introduced giant kaiju's, giant mm-hmm. aliens coming down, and apparently Ultraman turning into a giant. He wasn't using a robot. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. just turned into a giant Ultraman. Mm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. So, that's the show. <laughs> Um, now, but Pacific Rim is like the Mecca, like Gundam and Neon Genesis is more the inspiration there. Mm-hmm. Now, in um, Neon Genesis, the one thing that I always found, I, and I think the thing that is most jarring, at least to me, is you have this weird dichotomy and weird duality between there's the students who's like they're in school, like Shindy's friends. And they're in school, they're doing homework, they're going to clubs and all of that. And then Shinji will get just pulled out of doing that to go and fight um, yeah. and basically protect the earth from whatever angel shows up with his team. 
And you even see the students like watching from the school building or if they're in a car and they're evacuating the area. And it's so surreal, but it it constantly keeps packing on with a destroyed earth theme where it's like humanity's still there and we are still trying to live and and survive. But literally you could be in third period, you know, minding your business. And then your buddy next to you is the defender of your, at least your sector. And um, he could get called out at any time and you can get wiped out at any time. And that, that is a over, like a very heavy thing. The whole show like keeps going. What did you think when you were watching it? Um, I, I really like the application of not only devastated us, but like all of the different transformation in the creatures, the psychological aspect, the growing story of I have school and I'm a superhero type feel too. And it's like, well, I don't have to keep a secret identity. They know who I am. But yet it takes place in some weird school setting that just happens like, oh yeah, Ichigo's has to be at school and has takes out of his soul and the body just left there. No one knows except a few people. Yeah, that's is not the case in Neon Genesis. And I think the worst part is that um everyone's very aware like the whole time you're watching, instead of it being where you kind of have these very lax moments and you can kind of be relaxed and have fun or have a filler episode. Neon Genesis doesn't give you that. <laughs> they just said, nah, we might die anytime. So they just they constantly have a, a very serious tone that's always right underneath the surface, even when he's having like lighthearted conversations with his school friends. Um, or Shindy's trying to like build up the confidence. To, to tell Asuka that he's like, hey, you're being rude to me right now. And this is my house. Like he, even when that's going on, you're still very much so aware that these are essentially child soldiers who have to go fight for humanity. Um, yeah. Speaking of yeah. him, what we talk about different races and how Cowboy Bebop plays that role. <laughs> I like that transition. Um, I love Cowboy Bebop. I have the tattoo of the uh, bike ship and everything on my arm. Yeah. My favorite anime of all time. Um, yeah, she's a Bebop simp, so just it's okay. Very much so. All day, every day. No yeah. shame. But <laughs> in the show itself, it basically yeah, is set around... Name, so I can feel okay. <laughs> Look, the we are you can't call me a simp, especially when we talked about. There's another anime we're going to talk about a little bit later in this episode that I messaged Mason about because I was very upset that I was not mentally prepared for the love <laughs> aspect of it. So I don't want to hear nothing about simping. <laughs> like, but um, enough. Indeed, I wasn't simping over. I just like wasn't you like... weren't you weren't simping, but it feels. Like you were, because <laughs> you no, were offended. I, just like your reaction. <laughs> I was like, once again, you have introduced me to a show and gave me no warning about the thing that very much so should have been mentioned at least once in our conversation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, Cowboy Bebop is a show that takes place uh, in the stars in in our um, solar system. 
And essentially it follows uh, bounty hunters of uh, Spike, who everyone absolutely loves, and his merry mm-hmm. band of crew members. And, oh, yeah. and they basically travel around most, uh, most commonly, I think, with Mars and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and essentially the show... The Earth itself is still around. It hasn't been like blown up into bits or anything like that, and humanity's run away. But we did have a Stargate, yeah, like something that you would see, uh, what like in Star Wars, where you can just yeah. zoom through space. Um, and it exploded, causing a bunch of pieces to crash into the Earth. Most of and humanity now, that remained underground. Yeah. So basically, it's it's the reason why there's like different races and. Humanity exploring space, and it's most of the time it's another human, right? It's another human from a different planet, and the criminals that they track are also human bound. Mm-hmm. They always get into debt because they don't make enough money, or they make they do so much damage that the money they earned is like offset by the loss and damages. <laughs> Yeah, in the show itself, um, they hop around from uh, Mars, a place called Titan, a place called Europa, Pluto. Um, and in the show, they're constantly chasing a different bounty. And there's all, there's like two storylines going on. There is the crew doing their episodic um, bounty hunter uh, moments and captures or losses or whatever. And then the other one is Spike in the life that he had before becoming a bounty hunter. Um, in his arch nemesis, leave, huh? Once you get into the mafia, you don't leave. You don't leave. Exactly. He, I mean, he did. He he did leave, but uh, the they, they didn't stop. <laughs> they cut back up to you. Oh, the he cynic. was doing. He was doing well, but Spike has yeah. a really a bad habit of getting involved with people he shouldn't. Yeah, and I, his arch nemesis, uh, vicious. Yeah, is, it's, <laughs> it's just a yeah. He's just a futuristic e boy. It's fine. Oh gosh, you look at that man and you tell me differently. What? <laughs> he's a white haired six two, like angry emo kid. Sure, viciousness. I don't know how to describe him. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's out for blood and. Just very unorthodox, and if you cross him or do something he doesn't like, you can potentially die. Very much so. Very, very much so. Um, but, but in the show, when it comes to the Earth itself, the reason it fits with this theme is that, one, everybody it basically is living on these different planets. And they've been living there for a while now. Like, the Earth got hit. And they've already established like cities and colonies on these other planets in society. And societies. They don't have it better on other planets either. It's still like that devastated Earth. Absolutely. It's just a red desert. Yeah. So, um, and, and people also refer to themselves as they're like, oh, I'm from Mars. They don't say that they're from Earth because they likely weren't born there um, yeah. or left when they were a kid. Yeah. This is spanning centuries too. So. Mm-hmm. Civilization is able to revamp throughout the universe, and intergalactic crime is just one way to pass time for the bounty hunters. Yeah, 
Um, also, the end, <laughs> yeah, also the devastation that does happen to the Earth um, happens in the year twenty twenty one. So that was cool. That that yep. was a fun they like little back. tidbit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's submerged buildings, it's big deserts, uh, ruined cities. Rock. Isn't Cowboy Bebop twenty XX? Yeah, that's just how they do it. Yeah. Yeah. They say 20XX, so you never know exactly what year it is. I but mean, if you want to do XX, then technically that's Wilma Numeral. So, uh, gosh, what's X? 10. Is X like 10, 20? Mm-hmm. Oh, that won't fit. That wouldn't work. Nah. Unfortunate. <laughs> we tried to figure that one out. but Actually, no. No, X is like 50, I think. That's 50? Yeah, because I know 20 is actually... Uh... Or is 20 to be? I thought that was 5. Ooh, in my mind, I really did think that... Hold on, let's see. No, X is 10. Yeah, yep. it's 10. Oh, X... Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, it would have to be a C if it was 100. <laughs> That's not sexy. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Yeah, I never mind. So, um, in the show, the one thing that they always say about Earth is that um, nothing good comes from Earth anymore. And yeah, this it's, is, this, it's just it's, a backwater country. Mm-hmm. Essentially, if you're still there on Earth, you're not thriving. You're not. You're not surviving so or anything like that. You're in despair and you're just into crime. You're either <laughs> yeah. very poor or you just are a criminal that wants to hide and get away from different people because Earth is very easily avoided, I guess. It's not like it's just desolate. There's not much there. No, and um, there is a scene, there is an episode in which uh, uh, there, there is Jack. Uh, I'm sorry, Jet, who mm-hmm. is the essentially the captain of the ship that Spike is also a part of. Who um, else fights with and disagrees with? And so here's know, the captain they, of the ship. You can leave at any time. <laughs> he's he's a he is he's a captain. He was also a former cop, and you know got framed out of being in his job. All of that fun stuff. But there's yeah, an episode where not, they, they're hunting on a guy. And also cause trust issues, too. Mm-hmm. And in one of the episodes, when they're hunting down a bounty, who is also at the same time collecting dogs, or like he has dogs or whatever. Um, if you watch the live-action yeah. one. Huh? Yeah, the, that's where the dog comes in. Yes, I'm. he's a great mascot. Yeah. He's a great mascot. But you oh, learn okay. that um, dogs don't exist anymore in space because they are from Earth. So anytime a dog is seen, they're basically a black market high product item because I guess also when the ships were leaving Earth after the impacts were happening um, from the explosion, uh, people were just, rich people were putting their dogs in the seats with them or next to them. So they were taking up space on these ships. So more people died trying to get off of Earth. Yeah, need it to. Um, so like they're Wally. highly coveted. Wally, yeah. and they come back to us and all fat. Oh, so cute. <laughs> yeah, I love Wally. Wally. <laughs> the 
cosmic definition to protect the life, and they don't want to go back to Earth because that was set the protocol to go back to Earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Molly is literally having this boot that says that life can still flourish on Earth if given a chance. Just give it a chance, guys. Just come back. Get you know, get off of your spaceship where you haven't walked in years. Yeah, and then you're like most into a gravity. You can't even walk. You need levitating chairs. Just waddle or roll. Yeah. (laughs) But um but yeah, so Cowboy Bebop is a good watch. And it's only what, like twenty five episodes, twenty seven episodes? It's a yeah, it's a one season that. show. Yeah. It's very succinct. They wrap up basically everything by the end. And uh the music's great. It has one of the best opening theme songs ever. So Oh yeah. If you so if you want to check it out, give it a chance. Speaking of Wally and humanization, let's go to Knights of Sidonia. That's what I was talking about, guys. Once uh, again. You this love Sidonia. I think it looks really good. The, I will say that the animation style that I saw um, in the video that I watched about it, mm. about the full story, it has that like kind of like 3D look to it. And I it, it did catch me off guard when I first saw it. It kind of reminded me of like video game cutscenes at first, but then I got used to it and it was fun. It's uh, it's kind of interesting. It look no, it looks very interesting, and it has a pretty solid story. Especially, well, first, do you want to explain mm-hmm. to them uh, what Knights of Sidonia is? Yeah. Um, in the Knights of Sidonia, we have the human pilot, who's like from an old generation of human. I think. What's another one? Uh, it's a space opera mecca. Um, they evolve through the separation of Earth. The story set in to 3394, thousand years as mankind flees from Earth after it was destroyed by a race of shape shifting aliens, the Ghana, aboard hundreds of colossal spacecrafted from the remains of the planet. One such ship is Sidonia, which has developed its own human culture, closely bound of that of Japan. For human cloning, asexual reproduction, and human generic engineering, such as granting humans, photosynthesis are commonplace. It's also revealed that the top Ethigalions of the society have been granted immortality. It's probably the last human settlement remaining, as the fates of the ships are unknown. So yeah, we have a main character who... Is a regular human being. He doesn't make his own food. He's not a photosynthetic being that's like a plant, but a human as well. He's from the underground old generation, and he actually knows how to pilot one of the uh, ancient knights of Sidonia to fight these Ghana-like creatures. And the reason why... Uh, he was kept a secret is that I think the Doppler father trained him how to save humanity through video games, so he was able to maneuver 
piling through that. And uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching it, because it, it at first I was like, okay, so humanity, because you, you don't, you don't get introduced to anyone on earth at all. Um, they're already on their ship, which is like a ship that is in a, a meteor. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. a comet or a meteor. And so the very front of it almost kind of looks like a normal rock that you see floating through space. And it's it's way bigger on the inside. I don't know why, but the outside is like, um, in my mind, I'm like, oh, it's a regular size ship. And then you realize yeah. they have the whole a whole civilization living in there. And even the way that the inside of the ship is like made up, so they ha- it looks like, um, it looks like Japan. Like they have schools, they have buildings, they have artificial sunlight, so people can walk around in their uniforms and everything. Um, but then they also have attack fleets and fighter pli- um, pilots who attack these alien life forms who are hellbent on just killing off the rest of humanity. Yeah. And you don't know why for a really long time. Like you, it, yeah. it would make sense if it was just like humanity just fighting aliens that are out there in space. But it is this specific, yeah. um, this specific like uh, species that wants to take us out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even with the Knights of Sidonia, they get un- a- a unexpected help from a chimera. Chimeras are the basically tools that can be used against the Ghana, similar as a mech suit instead of the life form. It's created from the human sperm and egg, implanted in the womb of a PlayStation human. From the placenta, and then the end result is with a creature with intelligence and ego of a human and the power of the durability of a Ghana. What do you think of Chimera? Um, I don't have a problem with Chimeras, but not like 90% of the time, the most iconic ones that you can think of, like Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, for instance, um, you whenever you're seeing a Chimera, it's it's usually like Either they're in a lot of pain or they're used as a weapon. And I do like them. I like their enhanced abilities and how they yeah. also have something, usually they'll have something similar to intelligence or actual human intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're cool. I think they're mostly like misused. <laughs> like they're like there's yeah. no PETA there to like help us out. But yeah. <laughs> they they are very cool. But Knights of Sidonia. Uh, the Chimera actually plays a really unique role in being the saving grace to humanity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which we have the alien life form that gets introduced into the story as a uh, mm-hmm. human mm-hmm. DNA hi- alien hybrid. No, 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 Mason. <laughs> you, you explain her completely because <laughs> it was it it. She's awesome. She's an amazing fighter. She's very strong. But they made her a waifu. And they I, there was no warning. <laughs> there was no warning whatsoever. I mean, so like people are dying. Intelligent life. It's going to attach to the person that spends the most time with. Very true. And he started to fall for the alien human hybrid as well. But at the same time, I, I literally messaged you about this. I was like, I was I was into the story. I was into the lore. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, all these fights, like these creatures keep coming back. You get really into it and then this alien hybrid is introduced. And then for a little bit, they do pause to be like, we got to foster this romance. And it becomes like a love triangle. And that that made me laugh way more than it should have. Because I was just like, how did we get here? <laughs> like, How did we get here? How do we go back? <laughs> I mean, yeah. But they, they did it like in an innocent way. It was kind of cool. Dude, she has like tentacles and stuff. Like it's it is very distracting. They make her blush and everything, which I thought yeah. was even funnier. I was like, <laughs> not them making the alien blush. Like she gets like embarrassed and stuff, and it gets like jealous when the human um like he goes outside with another girl and they barely hold hands, and she's like, would he do that with me if I was a girl? And I'm like, you are a giant robot. You are You're literally a, a Gundam-sized robot. <laughs> saying, ooh, ooh. And then like, you also have like a attachment of your body that's like going out to be human size. When in reality, yes. that's just connected to your original body. It's not even like really be just human size. It's also like it to me personally. Her her weird attachment limb kind of looks like a dolphin in some angles. And I'm just like, what is happening? And they dress her up too. Yeah. Like the attachment. They put it in clothes and everything. It's 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 yeah. it's it's a good show and it has a it has a good fan base and everything, but yeah. that I think is the funniest part. Yeah. Like, imagine, it catches you off guard. I imagine this. You're the only human that's like the OG human that's not have a psych, uh, synthetic uh, ecosystem in within you being cytokinesis and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Photosynthesis. You're not photosynthetic like other humans where they just create their own energy. You have to eat. So they really don't have much food because they don't need much food? <laughs> they make their own food out of their own body. So the need for food is not really present in the show, so they continuously make him food in the which I love about it because like, oh yeah, we don't do that. You're just the odd one out of the bunch. We don't have to eat like that. We don't have to carelessly burn calories and keep we replenish ourselves with food and nutrients just to keep us going. Um, but I do think it also adds to yeah. making I like making him more of the main character, you yeah. know? Um <laughs> like him living underground. And then also his grandfather was the first pilot yeah. of the Sedonia Knights who was um who was killed like in battle or whatever. So he has all of these. He has everything to make him a main character besides the hair. He looks like a. So, yeah, they parted it to one side just a little bit and they were like, that's <laughs> it. You're done. You're perfect. <laughs> What's the style? There's no style to it at all. It's just so plain. It is so plain. And the worst part is that. Like half of the other characters on the show have a similar hairstyle as well. Yeah. Like even his, like even one of the love interests is just like, 
Oh okay. <laughs> they gave other characters like silver hair or pink or green or purple or whatever. And they just said, eh. Nah. <laughs> just like Japan. It, honestly, yeah. But it, it is a great show. It but it um I think the the creatures like them coming to Earth and destroying it with the sole intent of like wiping out humanity and then yeah. still chasing them. Also gives me the same feelings I have, like with um, Neon Neon Genesis, where there's always this very big looming threat. And the show does a really good job of every time you think it's done, like oh they found the planet, or like oh they they won this battle or something. But the war is still going on. Every time they get like a moment to breathe, something happens. Yeah, and it's just it's it's a lot of pressure, but it's a re- it's it seems really good. From what I saw, except for the alien waifu thing, that one's gonna stay with me. <laughs> I mean, at least you, now you're gonna watch it, right? I mean, yeah. Now I have to know who he ends up with because they didn't make that very clear <laughs> at the end of the video. They gave me everything else. They were like, "And his birthday is," and I'm like, "Who does he end up with?" <laughs> Get to the point. Forget about the Earth. There is dead. Let's go. <laughs> Who's like who's the bachelor? Like who wins? Like come oh, on. It was so now I have to watch it so I can see what happens. Yeah, so I think also it's like I think it's like two or three seasons as well. Um yeah, but I'm trying to see. Is there a movie? Because I know it's on Netflix. But uh, I wonder if there's a movie. Yeah, there is a movie. Yeah. There's a movie too. Okay. Oh, yeah, at least it's all in one place. Like, yeah, it's a at the Netflix original. So, little victories. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, light, well, I guess creatures destroying humanity. How about going into another devastated Earth theme? Thomas Neverland. Very good show. The manga is definitely better. But uh Yes. This but this what I think is the only one on our list that is humans are still living on Earth. Um yeah. in this devastated Earth scenario, but we don't have a like cataclysmic end of the world scene like they do in Neon Genesis. Yeah. Um, we're not like as you're watching the show, the the earth has definitely been turned and changed because of a great war between humans and demons. But at least in this show, we're not thinking that like something's gonna blow up the earth at any yeah. given moment and suck all our souls to be like one blended smoothie. Um But I think what both seasons are on Crunchyroll? Yeah. Crunchyroll Funny Motion? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know, it's set in the year um, 2045. Emma's 11-year-old orphan living in the Gracefield house, a small orphanage, housing her and her 37 siblings. Life has never been better with food that tasted gourmet, plush beds, no white uniforms, the love of their mom, and caretaker Isabella. In the early of daily exams that Emma always ace with her two best friends, Ray and Norman, are basically allowed 
to do whatever they want except to venture out of the compound to the gate connects the house to the outside world. So yeah. yeah. It's uh it's really good. Uh, I don't want to get into well we can say that the outside world is an unknown thing about it that applies yes. to the devastated earth. And once you figure it okay, so once you figure it out, it's a major plot point in the anime. It really drives season two as that transition after they find out. But it's so many episodes in season one building up to it. I really think the shock factor is worth watching season one to that point. And at least to my degree. What do you think? Um, like the unknown aspect of everything. Because when you're, when you're introduced, you think it's all kind of like picturesque. You, you're aware yeah. that it's supposed to be almost like it's supposed to be a psychological like thriller one. It's supposed to have yeah. like horror themes to it. But you do not get that when you're first watching the episode. And then they just punch you in the face with it. Yeah, it's like, like six episodes in. They get some no? glimpse of it. No, not even six. It's, it's like the first. It's like the first ten minutes are really yeah. like easygoing and like I don't know, basically Animal Crossing. If it was just humans involved, and then, yeah. and then it's like then they have that iconic scene um, with like the rabbit and everything when they go yeah. to give her their and it and when you see it, you're just like, oh, oh no, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> and um. In the whole first season, does a great yeah, it does do it. It it builds up your anticipation. You you're on the edge of your seat, and you're also constantly worried that these characters are going to get caught before yeah. you know. Like yeah, you're worried that they're going to get caught mm-hmm. and like, killed or something. But more so, you're you're worried that they're going to get caught before you get answers. And you're yeah. like, what is the what is going on? Reveal stuff to us, Scooby Doo gang of children. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> They're just trying to escape because now they're curious what the outside world is. That's basically what season one is. They make the attempt, and then it's basically one stranger things when they find out that everything is not so cut and gray. It's just like everything is well, at once. Yeah, I think we can fairly say, like at least the main premise of it, is that they're kids who are basically tattooed with numbers on them kind of like cattle are in a farm and that's because they're they're fed that's to not, demons uh, let's not talk about that that's a major plot point it's not a, it's the it's literally the plot yeah i'm not gonna say why no no i'm not gonna say why but that that's basically yeah. we find that out in the first 10 minutes of the first episode yeah i know <laughs> i'm not gonna say anything else for that point but you see that, and then it does make sense, at least by episode one, that one, things are not as they seem. It's not like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And then two, that there's a whole world out there that they've never even gotten a peek at because there's this giant wall blocking them off from it. But then you wonder what universe could you possibly have where you basically have an orphanage of, uh, of children that you give to demons. It's it's very it's so concerning. 
Mm-hmm. It's unsettling. Yeah. Symbolism of white being pure and innocent. Like they have no care in the world. They're just being raised in the orphanage. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's back to white? Like, I don't know. That's just it's really it's very eerie. They're dressed all in white. They're dressed all in white. Um, and, you know, they're learning, they're playing. And they're always told, you know, someone, they got adopted. And yeah. that's how a kid exits. So they're never um, enlightened to what's going on until, of course, they, like they have that big reveal in um, episode one. Or they show you what the world is really about in episode one. But you're still left. Like, Isabella. Well, she's the gatekeeper. She's going to prevent you from escaping. Uh, oh, God. Mother, mother is probably one of the most intimidating like <laughs> uh, villains in an anime that I've seen in a while. Because yeah. they, just like how the children are all in white, she's dressed almost like a traditional um, yeah. housemaid. Um yeah. For like a rich family, like a Victorian family or something, and she's very soft spoken. She smiles. She's sweet, and in you know she she gives you like mother mother of the main protagonist. Yeah, where she has to die oh, in yeah. order for them to um, like start their story, and um, then and so you get hey. you you get bamboozled real fast. This is and the perfect still- console and Gretel Grim tale. Mm. That's yeah, you're good, right. That's a good connection, actually. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And for anyone that doesn't know what Hudson and Greta is, it's just a house full of candy. And children just don't leave because they're just getting fed by the witch, I believe. And, uh... Yes. Yeah. So the the like American fable. Yeah. Is it an American fable? I, I want to say it is. The um, yes, where they yeah. leave, they leave crumbs in the woods to find their way home, and mm-hmm. um, come across this house. It's getting late. It's getting dark. Old lady lets them in, and they start eating, and they feel safe. But she actually wants to to eat them, and um, mm-hmm. that's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, you know. Oh, Joy, you be all nice and good. You can stay here forever and be who you want. (laughs) See, okay, we know what's an evil witch if they do the laugh, though. And that's the only difference, (laughs) especially with Mother in Promise Neverland. She never does an evil laugh. She smiles, and you don't know what she's thinking. Yeah, like creepy smiles. Like you know, you should know better than that. I raised you better than that. Now for your punishment, it's just like she just killing you with that creepy smile, and you just like, when will this ever end? <laughs> it's um, it's a weird like, uh, like gaslighting way of abuse that she has on her face too, <laughs> because you have to also know that outside like it's the I think it's the mother and I don't know I don't think there's any other adults it's just mother herself who takes care of these kids so she's the person making sure they're fed 
that they're bathed, they're learning their lessons, all of this, and they're well taken care of. And then she's the last one with them when they are off to meet their adopted family. So even in the story, even in season one, when you're desperately trying to figure out what turns the world so dark, you keep getting pulled in because you're like, nah, mother, look at her. She's so yeah, sweet. I don't want people to eat veal, you know. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then she just, you know, actually turns out to not be the sweetest at all. Yeah. Instead of sugar and spice, she's just pure spice and despair. Yeah. There's now, I will... This is the void. Instead of jiggly, no, instead of Jigglypuff sucking you in, it's just like, hi, how's it going? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do have to say, um, starting the flock, make sure they're all safe. Yeah, and at, out of, feet. yeah, for most of the, the devastated earth, the um, devastated earth examples that we've had, it's been something much bigger that is immediately shown to you or explained to you right away. Yeah. But Promise Neverland is great because even after you learn even that basic thing in episode one, you spend the rest of the season and season two desperately digging for answers and seeing like, how are these kids? Again, because these are children, like yeah. um, barely double digit kids. I think they all get adopted at like age 12 at the latest. So yeah. these are very young children trying to find a way to survive in a world that they have no outside information on outside of what's been told to them. And right. they're also trapped within a commune that the person who's keeping them, she's connected to somebody or something. Yeah. And you don't know what she can bring in or what her what her abilities are and how far they yeah. reaches. The age of 12, mm -hmm. just the green white banana that you just... Want to eat up because it's good. Mm -hmm. I think I think this is also the only one on our list where, uh, it's mostly children. Like, of course, we have like Neon Genesis, but that one at least they're high schoolers at that point. But then, I think this is the only one that is just ki mainly kid based. There's like there's a, there's multiple adults in Neon Genesis. Cowboy Bebop is for is all adults. Um, in I have no idea how old anyone is in Knights of, uh, was it Sidonia? Sidonia. Yeah. I have no idea how old anyone is, but they all look like they're in their early twenties. What is this? Google Wheels SC Pro. What the heck? Stop messing me on flipping SoundCloud. Ugh. <laughs> taking you to SoundCloud. Uh, this this weird Etsy Pro listing radio thing. It's like weird motion on SoundCloud. Stop commenting, wasting my time. Thinking it's an actual good comment. It's just no. Just promoting your stuff. Stop it. <laughs> oh God. yeah, dude. They yeah. It doesn't even have an an um age for. Yeah. Uh, the main guy, Nagate, in um, yeah. Nice Sidonia. He's, he's what? He's age 16. He's 16? Ooh. I believe so. 
Okay, because I went on I went on the show's fandom page, but it didn't tell me. I mean, you you had the synopsis that told you the the birthday, so. Oh, I didn't read that. Well, you yeah, it was shown. So if you looked at it, that's up to you. Oh yeah, no, I anything about birthdays, I'll that that I'll I'll zoom over. Like my <laughs> my eyes literally glaze over, and I keep looking for the rest of the plot. True. But well, all right. 16. Yeah, so I think uh, Promise Neverland is definitely our youngest uh, yeah. protagonist storyline. Kind of scary, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Makes you want to think. Like, hmm, what's going to happen? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, probably nothing good uh, for both of these devastated Earth. Yeah. <laughs> like uh most of these stories don't have the like happiest of endings. Yeah. And actually it's kind of funny because of a devastated earth. I was watching someone's live reaction of anime twenty twenty two uh like episodes, like must watch, three episodes, one episode, skip, all that good stuff. And he's like, Yeah, I'm going to the trailer and it's like, Oh, this one's pretty good and then this one caught my eye. Uh, World End Helm is pretty, pretty good. The honorable mention for this: the man killer virus wipes out ninety nine percent of the population of all men, specifically. And there's only like four men, or I guess teenagers, put in hypogenesis. Because they have this weird disease of multiple sclerosis that can only be prepared by sitting in, you know, homostasis for like five years while the AI tries to repair their cells bit by bit. And apparently they don't age in this hypostatic sleep. And when they come out, there's five years later, and they'll have an agent that represents them. And they're told that they they're the only one of the four people one of the four men left on the planet while everyone else is just a women population. And the current saber fails when the world was like ending and every male was just at it only took three months for this apocalyptic male extensioning event to happen. They all happen at once simultaneously. And yeah, all the countries that survived had the will the uh women council. So it's united of women. So now they form that as a basis that men are no longer susceptible to lead the earth. What do you think about that? I think you want to talk about this because I know you're reading it. But I don't know. I, I guess it fits with Devastated Earth. It is Devastated Earth. If I'm you leave your species wiped off the face of the planet and you're literally hoping to repopulate the Earth the last for four remaining people, yeah, that's kind of a big deal. That's just an extinction. That, I think Devastated Earth for me is like, I would think like like probably Doctor Stone 
or any of the ones we've mentioned where it's a complete like upturn of it. But this one sounds like it's going to be funny and a lot of foolishness happens. But you yeah. but you know what? I guess it still counts. It's still it's still a devastated earth because it could mean total extinction for the human yeah. race. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do with a bunch of women? I mean, it's kind of cool to have a bunch of women, but like, yeah. I feel like they should have froze more men, like if possible. Well, they, they did, but there's no cure for the, the man killer disease. So they're in hypostasis. I think there's like 1.5 million men in hypostasis, but it's still slowly affecting them, even in the current condition. So they don't find a cure or a vaccine or the origin or originality of the disease, then yeah, they will eventually not be able to live because the disease is still ongoing. It just delays the inevitable. True. I guess I guess I would have to think of it in a more serious tone, but I feel like also depending on which guy you pop out, he's like, this is heaven. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> hang out with a bunch of chicks all day and like have a good old time I'm really important like this is amazing it's, yeah it's it's a harem world I could totally see one guy just being like I don't care if we all die <laughs> like take me I've accomplished my dreams <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that's uh, that's our take on devastated us post-apocalyptic you know escaping us having some weird event that is just large-scale human impact on the the caliber that's so big that you don't... It, it's just plot-defining. Yeah. That's my yeah. final piece on it. What's your yeah. final piece? Um, I think the Devastated Earth uh, motif is probably one of the stronger ones that you can find uh, you and usually you'll probably find it underneath like apocalyptic like shows or whatnot in anime that'll also fit with it. And there's a lot of ways you can go in showing how humanity has to figure out a way to adapt, and we're very adaptable, so it's a great genre. There's great shows to come from it. Clearly, that cowboy bebop tatted on me for it, so I enjoy the genre and I'm thankful for it. Well, that's another episode of anime. And see anime coming to a close. Thank you. Maybe we'll have one more motif and then we might branch off into different content and original ideas. So stay tuned for that. Bye, guys. Talk to you next time.